0: The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan.
1: Good afternoon. What's going on, everybody? Ajay is wrestling with his microphone. It's hour two of the full court press. How does it feel? Huh? How does it feel? <laughs> two hours of the full court press. Back, two hours of the odd back couple. Back on the
2: air. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with 5338. It is the odd couple before the odd couple. Uh, Eric, uh, good hour one. Got to talk some baseball, got to talk some football in the uh, Pac 12. Now we dive into a little bit more college football, but then dive deeper into NBA basketball, and including the Utah Jazz, where Dan Clayton of five thirty will join us from Salt City Hoops uh, and give us the uh, the MP skimpy on the Utah Jazz and their embarrassing loss versus the Thunder, and their about to be crushing loss versus the Lakers.
1: Wait, he's going to give us the what? The impy skimpy. Is that allowed on the radio? Yeah. <laughs> okay.
2: I'll take your word for it. The impy skimpy. Go ahead, say it with me, Eric. The impy skimpy. Before we get into uh, NBA. (laughs) You were going to say it, too. (laughs) You were going to say it.
1: As you heard at the top of the hour there, that Nuggets-Thunder game did go final. The Nuggets were able to pull out the victory. And uh, that helps them secure that number three spot. Um, And that uh, (laughs) keeps the Thunder a little bit at bay from surpassing the Jazz. Uh, but uh, it still has Utah facing off against Houston with the 4-5. But the way that Houston's playing right now, I could easily see Houston uh, passing Denver. If Denver makes any other mistakes along the way, Houston is playing really, really good basketball right now. Granted, it's only two games that we've seen, but they're looking very sharp, Uh, especially surprisingly how well they're doing defensively over the, in the last couple of minutes. Uh, but we'll get into more basketball a little bit later on. We'll be talking to Dan Clayton. He is uh, with Salt City Hoops, follows the Jazz very closely, and uh, he'll give us his observations of what's going on with Utah, and especially adjustments post-Boyan Bogdanovich. Seemed to be okay in game one, but it was a real problem in game two. Uh, and then in game one, was it just the uh, Pelicans' ineptness? that helped the Jazz win, or uh, was it something different that the Jazz won and why they didn't win in Game 2? Before we get into that, though, some more about football. Uh, we talked a little bit about some of the things going on with college football. We still haven't heard from the Big 12. They're expected to vote tonight, according to some reports. Uh, the, the real question is they seem to be adopting a, uh, a nine-conference schedule plus one non-conference But there's also some discussion that the conference will allow teams independently to add additional non-conference games. And so that'll be interesting if they decide to do that, just how it works and who participates in that. If they do, could that be a real lifeline for the Mountain West Conference or the other group of five conferences?
2: Hey, so what conference is doing that? Give me that again. Big 12. And it it's going to be just conference
1: and then well, plus one? So the, the rumor is, a strong implication is that they will be adopting a nine plus one, a conference schedule plus one. At a conference game? And a, a non-conference game will be included. And then there's some discussion that the, uh, the conference uh, schools themselves may be able to add additional non-conference games if they desire.
2: The heck are they smoking? I don't know. They're I don't just, know how you pull that off. There's no way that's going to happen. <laughs> okay. That's that's unreal. I uh, would definitely guess no.
1: It's possible. Uh it could be really hard to manage, I think. But with that in and- each conference is basically calling its own shot, as we've seen, well over these last couple of weeks. And once the Big Twelve decides what's their what they're going to do, then I think we'll start seeing in the following days what the other group of five conferences will decide. Yeah. Um, the another question is what happens with the postseason? Some of these conferences aren't even starting until a little bit later than normal, and that pushes their their regular season into uh, December. Mid-December, when normally you're doing conference championship games and a little bit of a break before you get into the bowl season, um, uh, the SEC will have their title game on December 19th. So the uh, bowl committee, uh, well, it's uh, Nick Carparelli. He oversees 42 bowls as executive director of the Football Bowl Association. And basically, he came out and said, we already heard that there was this talk that before you had to hit six wins. And then they said, well, really that just means you have to have a, 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 at least a 500 winning percentage. Just have as many wins as you do losses. And now they're saying, well, let's walk that back maybe even a little bit further and say, we have deals with these conferences. You can decide and determine who goes to the bowls.'" You, as long as you can help us fill the bowls, we don't care what their records are. Because there's a chance games could be missed in the middle, middle of a season, and the true. record could look kind of funny. That's true. And one, one conference may have more games than another. and Anyway, uh, one thing that he did say is his final records should be really minimized, and conferences should simply fill their bowl slots based on the final standings within their conference. I say final standings, but it's up to each conference how they want to fill their bowl spots. That is going to be weird. It's going to be a weird December yeah. for bowl games in early January. Again, assuming they actually
2: happen. Hey, speaking of college football, 9315 Texan and Eric, won't this, the talking about the Pac-12 players' demands... Won't this make for a bad relationship between the coaches and the players if they won't play or meet their demands? I'd say, yeah, just ask Washington State. Um, t- telling three players that they won't be a part of the team for what they retweeted. And it would be a bad look. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, now that hurts recruiting, by the way, too. That's not, that kills recruiting. yeah it's, good point. Yeah, that's a great point.
1: I don't know. I mean, Pac 12s, they're in a whole other stratosphere because of self imposed <laughs> stratosphere. <laughs>
2: they,
1: they think they are in a whole other level, but it's yeah. just. Well, that's just because off. of their
2: wonderful commissioner. They're just off. Yeah, their commissioners brought that upon themselves, to be honest with you. It's just such a nightmare, though. Um,. One
1: last thing about bowl games real quick. Yeah. Uh, This uh, Carparelli, one last thing he says, that if something happens where this whole football season ends up getting pushed even further down the road, he says that uh, we're going to be very patient and prepare to be very flexible when the time comes. Um, He says even looking at different dates and that uh, even if it means – Things happen in the spring, so it's potential you could have a, a a bowl game around Easter time in April. It's just not. <laughs> it's really weird.
2: That's just not. Because at what point doable. do you just say, you
1: know what? It's it'd be great to do it for this season, but you're also affecting next season by.
2: Uh, look, the, the thing is, though, is that the Power Five Conferences want football. They want bull games. They want a national champion. So that's what you're going to get. Because the Power Five Conferences won- run the show in the NCAA, in football. The Power Five Conferences will get just that. They'll be able to r- get what they want in regards of the, uh, just in regards of, you know, this is how we want to do it. This is what we want to play please be there, here's your invitation, RSVP. It's just, and and the SEC leads the way. So expect to have football. Whether you want it or not, whether it's right or not, it's going to happen.
1: Yeah, the, the question is, how well, or how much do they learn from what's going on in Major League Baseball? What can they learn from uh, what's going on with the NHL and the NBA? Well,
2: I think you brought it up. You know, kids are going to have to stay home. You know, parties, outdoors and such. Stay away from them. Stay in your dorm with your teammates and play video games. You, you force them to sign a liability waiver? You could do that, too. Isn't that what uh, Ohio State did? Boy, somebody did. What's it Ohio State? Yeah, it was Ohio State. Because everyone made a big deal out of it, but to be honest, it was really smart. It's it's not a bad idea. Uh,
1: With this, college football cannot happen in a bubble, but what they need to do, what they're going to try to do is instead of having one physical location where all teams converge, they have to create, what is it, 120 bubbles. (laughs) Uh, you have to treat each each institution as its own bubble. Players, you gotta stay in your dorms. Don't go to the frat party. Don't go at the, the big party at the lake. Uh, you, you gotta
2: stay and you gotta with your do teammates. It, but, and here's the you other: gotta go to practice. You gotta follow you've, the rules. You've got to do that for three straight months. We're not asking about one week two Weeks, we're asking like three straight months of strict obedience to the bubble, or else you aren't playing. It's a lot to ask 18 to 20 year old kids.
3: <sighs> yes, it is.
2: Not saying I don't have faith in him, but that's just man, it's a ton to ask him. Uh, one other football note, real
1: quickly. Uh, We've known that uh, the high school football season is going forward. Uh, UHSAA reiterated that last week. They've recommitted, saying, yes, we are going to move forward. High school football will happen. Now, there are some districts that uh, are not allowing overnight trips, and that affects some athletics. One of those was the Ridgeline Riverhawks. They were scheduled to open their season in St. George against Pineview. And so there's been some discussion about what will happen with that game. Will it have to get changed? Will they have to find other opponents? Can they find a neutral site, meet somewhere in the middle? Uh Deseret News put out their a game or a, a team preview of Ridgeline over the weekend. They uh, they claimed that Ridgeline would play at Morgan instead to open the season. I have since got confirmation that is not correct. Ridgeline will still open their season against Pineview, but they will play at
2: Westlake. So that's down in Charteau Springs. So, could you imagine what that would do to your RPI? You go from playing Pineview to playing Morgan. (laughs) That would ruin your RPI. So they're playing at Westlake versus Pineview. Yes. And the date on that game? Still be the same, at least
1: so far. From what I understand, it'll be on uh, August fourteenth.
2: Okay. Well, good. That means we'll the have. Students a- aren't in school yet, yeah. so you can leave a little bit earlier in the day. And can you believe that's in two weeks? That's next week. Scary. That's next that's weekend. Next Friday. <laughs> Jeez.
1: High school football is upon us. We gotta get the coaches
2: in. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. We probably ought to get them in we at some reach point. Out huh? to these guys, yeah, that time. About, it just seems like get, it's come
1: on fast.
2: We gotta get the play-by-play guys on too. I love having Dave Simmons on. He's awesome. I think he does such a great job. And Clint Payne's back, calling Bear River again. The great Clint Payne. He's he's gonna be back calling Bear River games. Excited to, uh, to uh, hear his voice again. AJ Knight at Mountain Crest. Craig Hislop, one of my faves, he's gonna be uh, doing Green Canyon. John Newbel, of course. Is the loyal Bobcat, so he'll be uh, he'll he'll get Sky View. Is anybody? I met? Logan, Logan, who's uh, who's Logan again? Hall of Famer Al Lewis. Al Lewis. Oh, how did I forget that? Ooh, yucky. Uh, let's take a break. Let's come back. We gotta talk a lot of NBA basketball before we get to Dan Clayton. Um, some things I want to run by you. Just I mean, break recap the games that have happened today. Some good ones. And then, just want to get your quick thoughts on Oklahoma City, Utah Jazz before we preview Lakers tonight. So,
1: Absolutely. So we'll discuss that. Love to get your thoughts as well. Feel free to text in 435-339-0321
2: on the Full Court Press.
0: It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Ajay Selveson.
2: From the Athletic he's Utah Utes beat writer Chris Kamrani.
3: What, what Jason's skill set provides he's a shorter quarterback but he's very dynamic. He has a good arm. He can escape the pocket. Considering what he was able to do at Utah I think he goes down in his time at Utah as one of the most popular players during his time there. I mean like everybody loves Jason I and mean, I think if you're a quarterback, you're starting quarterback, that's what you want um, out of that guy that's going to be leading the team.
0: Weekdays from four to six on sports talk radio 106.9 fm 1390 am the fan it doesn't matter who you root for the full court press has all the high school sports covered the full court press connect with us on facebook twitter and online at 1069 thefancom
2: Eric Franson, Aj Salveson, thanks for tuning in. I got to give love to the color guys. That's my bad. We have great play-by-play guys, but the play-by-play guys are only better than their color guys. John Russell, really good. Clint doesn't have a color guy. He doesn't need one. He's so good at his job. Aj's—he's going to have Matt Adams, who uh, did a few games last year. He did the uh, state playoff game with me at Stansbury. Matt's going to do it? I believe so, yeah. He's going to help out. Oh, I thought there was another guy who was going to do it. Stop it. No, Eric, don't. Don't. I mean, that's how he... Don't. It's in his bio. I thought you were talking about somebody else. <laughs> did you think I was talking about you? Yeah. Sort of. I'm, not, I'm not talking about you. So, I know what you're talking about. I got it, man. So, I'm sorry. <laughs> when you came up with the last part, I found out. Um, Matt Adams does a great job. He did with me at Stansbury. It was a blast. We, and by the way, because I can't count yards. Like, I honestly can't. So if it's like from like the 35 to the other team's 48, I would say, hey, Matt, just go ahead and like when you cap the play, just tell him how many yards it was because I can't count it. And so Matt would <laughs> count it for me. <laughs> and he'd be like, yeah, it was a nice 48-yard pass play right there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who else Sorry, Nick Zollinger is one of my favorite people he yells at me during pickup ball all the time because I don't get a rebound even though I'm 5 foot nothing gets, he gets mad at me but I love Nick on the radio he's a great guy uh, Al Lewis does Al Lewis have a colored guy yes um, Josh Anderson ah yes Joshy Josh
1: All right. former uh, Utah State
2: that's awesome that's, that's that's pretty cool he had his high school ball
1: in the Boxer County you're such a jerk,
2: man. Oh God, God, I was good. Uh, Eric, uh, no, it was not good. It's the Utah Jazz Oklahoma City Thunder game where the Jazz found themselves down at 27 points midway through the third, and just—I mean—they were out of this game in the first quarter.
1: Well, yeah, early on, early on it, it was, they really It was—they just Oklahoma City just attacked, and they were aggressive, and the Jazz just looked lost. We said, remember, we talked about how it was going to be very contrasting styles in the game against. New Orleans it would be a matchup of how would you handle larger lineups and uh, with if Zion Williamson played a full game as normal Jazz would have lost that game oh yeah by 13 at least uh, Jazz were down they had to fight their way back they did it was impressive that they fought their way back and got the win and held on that was good but against Oklahoma City we knew it was going to be guards a very active guard play that may give the Jazz trouble, and it sure did. Uh Jazz just didn't have an answer. And what was really frustrating is how much they attacked the rim, even with Rudy Gobert protecting the rim. <laughs> or they would go at him and just uh, shoot over him. So, uh, frustrating Jazz
2: game on uh, Saturday afternoon. Yeah, frustrating in a lot of ways, because I feel like in the third quarter they just gave up. They quit. Um. And, and defensively, they were lazy. Uh, offensively, they were not alert. There was some bad ball movement. In fact, there was no ball movement half the time. They made bad reads. Picking rules weren't there. They just looked disinterested, I think, after the first quarter because they knew they were out of it. But it, it, at the same time, I think Oklahoma City has been playing pretty darn well, too. That's a better basketball team than I give them credit for. I know you scheduled it as a win. Ethan did as well. I uh, I think I did as well, too. Um, but, uh, at the same time, it just, you have to be so, you have to bring your A game every night because in this, this, the way this restart is going, nobody's given is being given an off night.
1: The Utah Jazz did not have a single player score more than 15 points. Oh my gosh. Oklahoma City had four. What was, uh, what was Paul's line? Uncle Chris had 18 points, two steals, seven assists, seven rebounds. Chris Paul had seven rebounds.
2: He had two offensive rebounds too, didn't he? I think it. I uh, just they just have him listed with one. One. Okay, so the one of me didn't get. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's Chris Paul that's, got as many rebounds as Rudy Gobert. How does that happen? Tell you they were disinterested. I, uh, I, I, I think George Ning is just absolute garbage. I'd rather put me with a no left arm than have George Ning out there with both arms. Uh, George Ning in twenty five minutes, three ten, one to seven. He had seven one and two. That is phenomenal. Seven one and two in twenty five minutes of freaking basketball. Why is he playing? Give me, give me Rayshon Tucker. Give me Ed Davis for heck's sakes. Give me Tony Bradley for at least ten more minutes. Give me J.P. Morgan. I'll take Morgan, please over Niang. This Niang thing isn't working. I don't know what's a bigger disaster, Dante Exum or George Niang, but it's pretty dang close. But they don't have Boyan Bagdanovich, and George Niang is the next best option. No, he can't be the next best option, man. He can't be like. Uh, well, then who is more? Uh, let me get. Give me seven more minutes, Morgan. Seven more minutes. Morgan. Morgan's not
1: going to hit the three.
2: Yeah, well, guess what? George Nink's not going to hit it either. George he's one of seven. So <laughs> well, really, if you look
1: at between the last two games, yeah, he's one of more than that.
2: Yeah, no, he had. Between the last two games, he's one of 13. One of 13. Dude, he had one rebound, two assists, and seven points. Jay Morgan, in seven minutes of basketball, had two rebounds, no assists, and he had four points. I'll take Morgan. Because Nying's not getting it.
1: Yeah, Juwan Morgan was a plus 13. What? He was? Yep. In what? his seven minutes of play, he what? was a plus 13. What was Nying? Minus seven.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> not a single Jazz starter was in the positive Yeah, territory. there's no
2: way they would be. Oh, my gosh.
1: Mitchell was the best at a minus eight. What was his shooting? He was five for 15. It was a bad night for just about everybody.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's just that's bad. That's just bad all the way around. Um, hey, what well, do you think? This is a sign of that when the Jazz face a matchup that is against them, they can't climb themselves out of a hole without Bojan. New Orleans was a bad matchup. Zion goes out. Jazz come back and win. Oklahoma City is a bad matchup. Nobody went out and they got blown out horribly. Is this a sign that any team that can match up with the Jazz, the Jazz are going to lose by double digits because they just they don't have anybody besides Bojan? They give up 37 points in the second quarter, Eric. 37. Uh, There's no such thing as a good matchup for the Jazz in this restart. Joe Ingles
1: made some comments. He met with the media today after shoot-around. And I want to play one clip from him about what the Jazz are trying to do to get used to not having Boyan in the lineup. Because certainly, it's not like they can all of a sudden introduce a lot of new plays right now. A, they don't have a lot of time to fine-tune them. And B, they don't have time between games to, to fine-tune it either. And so you have to just strip away some of the things that were part of your identity for the most of the season. And uh, how do you play without having Boyan, or do you try to have somebody else play that role? So here's some of the comments from Joe Ingles about this, how the team is trying to get used to not having Boyan in the mix. Like We didn't change a ton of stuff, but we obviously put some different stuff in. And like I said, without Boyan, we, we can't run some of our stuff. Some of our stuff we, we still can. So, um, yeah, just, just – uh, I think kind of getting that package tied of, of what we know we're, we can run and what we're really good at running and, and executing um, and taking that and, and and running it well, cutting hard and, and getting the ball and um, making plays. We've got a lot of playmakers. We've got a lot of guys that can, can do that on that end. So, um, yeah, I, I honestly think over this time, it'll, it'll continue to get better and better. And um, that's what I said. I think one of my first meetings with you guys was like, it's going to be a process over eight games, and by the eighth game, heading into playoffs, we want to be be playing our best basketball. So, it's – he's trying to just put it off as it's a process. Yeah, when you lose your – arguably your second top scorer,
2: yeah, it's going to take a while to figure out how to replace that. Dude, I don't know if they can dig themselves out of a hole when a team matches up with them one through five. New Orleans does with Zion Williamson on the court. Obviously, Oklahoma City does. Uh, Dallas will. LeBron and the Lakers will. Pray for us. You know, what, maybe it's a good thing we lose. Like that six seed, go fight, win. It might be better. Jazz have success against Denver. Yes. Until the Jokic figure figures it out, and then we're and we're done for.
1: Well, it looks like it looked like uh, Oklahoma City was going to get their number today, but Denver figured it out in overtime and.
2: Came away with the win. All right, we gotta get Dan Clayton here on the line. Here, Dan Clayton's gonna be a part of Salt. It's a part of Salt City Hoops. He's gonna talk to me, talk Jazz basketball with us. I'm interested in what if Rudy Gobert does not win Defensive Player of the Year, which I would imagine he's not going to. He will make an All NBA team. Does that include a super max in his contract? If it does, what do the Jazz do financially to make it work, or do they? Can Rudy Gobert be traded? What kind of value would that have? Ooh, Spicy. Intrigue.
1: All right, Dan Clayton, Salt City Hoops, coming up next on the Full Court Press.
0: Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan.
1: Eric France and Ajay Salveson, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Also streaming online, 1069thefan.com. Love to get your thoughts about how the Utah Jazz and the NBA restart is going. 435-339-0321 if you want to text in. And to help us know a little bit more about how that's all going so far, Dan Clayton with Salt City Hoops. Joins us now in the full court press. Dan, it's been a little bit since we've been able to Hi, talk Dan. basketball with you.
3: Oh, we Spoke. Uh, I think I was still. Oh, Dan, we're losing-, Red-
1: we're losing you there, uh, Dan. see, we got some buffering, it sounds like. Like a bad
2: cell connection for a second, bad landline connection. <laughs> oh, I think we lost him. Okay. Well uh Well that was fun. We'll ho- we'll hope he calls back here. Uh Dan Clayton of Salty Hoops will be joining us. We'll get it uh, figured out here really quickly and uh, get him back on. Uh I'm excited to talk to Dan about a numerous uh a number amount of things. Yep. Yeah, he's gone. Kind not of remind me like Brian Waynehorse when he was like, you know what? This ain't working. Um so uh anyways. I I'm excited to talk to Dan about a number of things. Uh that's uh I mean, one of those things is is Rudy Gobert, his contract situation if he makes an all-NBA team, where the Jazz stand against the Lakers. I mean, is this possible the Jazz could fall to a 6 seed? Is that a better matchup versus a Clippers team or a Denver Nuggets team? Um, so a lot of things to look forward to that in that regard. Um, and then I'm also interested just the bubble situation. Uh, I know. I know. People want to talk about Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, and the relationship, but I feel like we've hashed that out enough. But the en- bubble situation with the NBA, these games, and I said this at the top of our show, feel like they are better than the games that we were getting before the before the bubble. Like you get like intense, uh, a little bit of uh, intensity. You you get the whole. I mean, guys who are supposed to be six feet distancing, whatever, sitting on the bench, are you know, climbing over the little barrier and supporting their teammates. I thought the benches were great last time between the Bucks and Rockets game. That was so much fun to watch. Uh, so, uh, I just like the bubble basketball so much better. Dan Clayton's back with us.
3: Hey, Dan. Hey, guys. How you doing? <laughs> Sorry about the technical difficulties there. Hey, That's no worries. All good.
2: You know, the craziest thing is the last time we talked to you was in March as the, the Jazz were uh, kind of getting ready here for what we would call a playoff push in March, yeah. And and now we're back playing the Oklahoma or they got back on Saturday playing Oklahoma City Thunder in really disappointing fashion. What did you see was the biggest differences between game one versus the Pelicans and game two versus the Thunder?
3: <laughs> I mean, all due respect to New Orleans opponent quality had a big had a big part to do with it. Oklahoma City is just look, they're they're smart. They are um You know, every time throughout the course of the season, because I do graphics and stuff for Salt City Hoops to kind of track the Western Conference playoff race, every time Oklahoma City goes on this major tear where they win 8 out of 10 or something, I always go check to see, like, okay, who's playing out of their mind and facilitating that? And what's crazy is the answer is usually nobody. Like, it's just that they've got a lot of quality guys who are smart at basketball, know how to play their roles. Chris Paul is obviously a wizard. He's 35 years old, but he's still just controlling the game at a really high level. I think if I remember correctly, I think Oklahoma city outscored the jazz by 27 points, just in Chris Paul's minutes. So, you know, I like, first of all, you have to tip the hat and give Oklahoma city credit where, where that's concerned. But really, I think the other, the other big part of the difference from Utah's end from, from Utah's perspective is I just don't think they were playing as smart, particularly in pick and roll situations. Um, On Thursday night, the, the, opener, the, the, the reopener, I guess, the first game of the restart for Utah against new Orleans, I thought Donovan Mitchell was fantastic in pick and roll. He was coming off screens and just making really good reads and, you know, the ball was going the right places. And then Saturday against Oklahoma city, again, a better team, a team that knows how to scheme for a specific opponent. I just felt like they were doing things to sort of speed up Donovan Mitchell's decision-making process and that was causing him and other people to just do things that were a little out of character and and try to do too much and and um it was it was really like literally it was one of utah's five worst offensive performances of the entire season
1: how much of it was also just the the second game everybody was amped for the first game uh oklahoma city that was their first game Uh, and for the utah jazz it was you know they don't have a lot of time to prepare for the next opponent. There's just some film study. You can't do a lot of walkthroughs. Uh, how much is just the, the 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 timing of when things happen for each team?
3: Yeah, I mean it could be right because you know for ever since the NBA released the restart schedule, Oklahoma City has been thinking about okay, our next game's against Utah, our next game's against Utah, our next game's against Utah, right? So I mean that could have something to do with it. Like I say, I you know. I think the Jazz know the Thunder pretty well. They've they've seen each other. That was the third time this season. They know Chris Paul because Chris Paul has been you know someone they've been linked to in the playoffs for several seasons. In, in when he was with LA and then when he was with Houston. So like they know these guys. They know how these guys like to play. Um, I think the advanced scouting department for the Jazz does a pretty good job of of equipping the players with a uh, with a sense of of what different guys want to do. So I I do think that it. At a certain level, when you're at this level of the game and there's a finite number of teams and players that you're seeing all the time, a lot of it just comes down to you getting yourself mentally prepared for a particular opponent and then executing the way that you want to execute. And like I say, the Jazz just didn't seem to be able to do that, especially on the offensive end where they just made a lot of bizarre, boneheaded decisions that you don't usually see from the Jazz. You know, the Jazz since December have been one of the NBA's top offenses. So you just don't see them go into such a dr- an extended drought like that very often.
2: The Utah Jazz have been uh, f- from deep have not been great. 24.6 percentage on 32 and a half attempts per game. Is there a solution to this or without Boyan, do they need to find a different way to score?
3: No, I think you, you're referring specifically to the three point line, right? Cor- correct. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. No, I, I mean, I think that's, I think that's that's who they want to be that's who they need to be um, because if you don't force teams to respect that then the middle gets clogged up and that means Rudy Gobert can't roll into the lane and that means Donovan Mitchell can't drive and and that just impacts everything so they they need to still be able to get shots up and Quinn Snyder's been talking about that over the course of the last week just just being willing to pull the trigger on on good shots right like some of it is is you just need to be able to pass up an okay shot if there's a better shot coming later in the offense, later in the, in the execution of the play, but that's going to still be really important to them. And they have several guys who can hit that. Um, you know, Joe Ingalls is a really good shooter. Mike Conley can be, he's been off and on during his lone jazz season. Um, Royce O'Neal is better than people realize Donovan Mitchell can get hot. Um, Jordan Clarkson off the bench, George Yang suddenly can't hit a shot to save his life in Orlando. But before these last two games, he's been a really good shooter. I mean, that's his, like, really, that's his one NBA skill, or, or, or at least his, his top NBA skill is the ability to space the floor with three-point shooting. And suddenly that's not there for him. So, you know, I do think it'll come back for him and some other guys. Um, I think some of it, again, is patience, and some of it is that without Boyan, and just the spacing threat that Boyan Bogdanovich adds, they, they might just be threes that are a little bit more pressured than the Jazz are used to, right? I mean, the Jazz had great spacing when they had multiple, you know. The Jazz started the season, if you think about it, Conley, Bo, uh, Conley Bogey, and Don and, and Donovan Mitchell, they started the season with three guys who have, who have averaged 20 or more in a season before. So when you have that many scoring threats, everybody's going to be a little bit more comfortable and I think some of it, to your, to your question, is that the Jazz are just adjusting to
1: that. Uh, again, we're talking to Dan Clayton with Salt City Hoops. One of the things that we were looking at when the NBA restart was going to be happening here is what type of team would do better with a shortened type of uh, lead-up to when things happen. There's no home court. It doesn't matter. Right. Uh, a, a team that's more system-oriented or a team that's more playground style kind of like houston yeah uh, houston yeah. seems to be thriving right now and the jazz not so much
3: yeah i mean you know small sample size too right houston's two and oh um they they their win against milwaukee looks pretty impressive except that you know milwaukee's doing some different things minutes wise because they more or less have their top seed locked up for the eastern conference playoffs so i i mean you know i i do think that there's something to be said for you know when when it doesn't feel when nothing feels normal and you can't get into the rhythm the way that you normally do because there's not a crowd and there's not a you know you're not you're not at home with your family and then driving to the arena and doing the same routine that you do sometimes if you can't get into that rhythm and, and get things done that way it helps if you've got guys who are just bucket getters right guys who could just step onto the court at the YMCA or the local. LDS meeting house and just be hot from the second they step on the court and you know Harden's one of those guys and 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 that's certainly part of why Houston is doing well um Harden had one amazing game and then he had one game where he kind of struggled but they won anyway um you know like I say though the Jazz have a couple of guys like that um even with Boyan out they've got Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley who are who have both been the number one guy in the past um so, you know, I think ultimately the Jazz will be, will be okay. Um, I don't know if they have enough firepower to really be contenders in this summer playoff, but I do think that they, I, I do think they're a lot better than they showed on Saturday, let me put it that way. And I think that how far they go is really going to become a question of how much Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley can do offensively, and then obviously how dominant Rudy Gobert can be on defense.
2: Jazz-Lakers tonight at 7 o'clock. That's on ESPN. Dan, the Lakers' defense has been better in the bubble than it was during their season, I guess in the average regard. Give me one number for the Utah Jazz that gives you hope that maybe the Jazz could get over the Lakers.
3: A number, huh? Um, I mean, it's, it, honestly, it's going to have to be the three-point line. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it's going to have to be. So the Lakers, the Lakers and the Jazz have actually from a roster perspective – they have the exact opposite problem right now. So the Lakers were already short on guard play on like ball handling guards all season long. And then Rajon Rondo is hurt and he's he's going to miss 6 to 8 weeks, so you know, most or all of the bubble environment. And then Avery Bradley opted to not participate in the bubble for, you know, health reasons, family reasons, all of that. So that leaves them really without a true point guard. LeBron James basically is their point guard, but that means LeBron James has to be the initiator of the offense. He has to get the gears turning on a lot of plays. He has to be the end point of the offense, too. So it's, it's just a, a big role, of, a lot for LeBron to do in, you know, his mid 30s. So that's kind of their issue is that they have, they, they just are really low on guards and particularly ball moving guards. The Jazz's problem is that they've got a lot of ball handlers, but especially with Boyan out, they just don't have a lot of rotation capable big men right? So most of their bubble minutes have been Rudy Gobert with four guards, or, you know, if you, if you call Royce O'Neal a big, then Rudy Royce and three guards, but that's going to be a problem when you're facing a team who can put, you know, Dwight Howard at center, Anthony Davis at power forward, a couple of high quality wings. And then LeBron as the de facto point guard. Like, how do you deal with that size? When you've got, you know, Jordan Clarkson at six foot nothing to throw at them, or Mike Conley at six one, or you know, it, it's just so size is going to be an issue for the Jazz. And I really do think that the only way that they that they come away with a win tonight is if they get hot from the outside. So, so that's my offensive version of of answering your question. I think they need to shoot like forty percent or better from three. And then on the defensive end, Rudy Gobert has to do a decent job of keeping LA's bigs off the rim.
1: Cool. We'll be cheering for him. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Good luck. It's a, it's a tall task, man. I mean, it it's is. a tall task. If there's any, you know, if there's any silver lining, it's that, like I just said about Milwaukee and their game against Houston, L.A. pretty much has the number one seed sewn up. Um, technically, they haven't clinched it yet, but they'll clinch it the next time they win or the Clippers lose. So, you know, sometimes the team that needs it more badly is the team that wins in these in these down-the-stretch games. So maybe the Lakers will put their feet up at some point and, and um, you know, the Jazz will be hungry because they're in a real dogfight for the three through six seeds in the West, which, you know, those four teams, it, it's currently... Denver, Houston, OKC, and Utah. Those four teams are just really going to be fighting it out until the very, very end of these seeding games.
1: Okay, I wanted to talk about seeding with you. Without home court meaning anything, uh, it doesn't really matter uh, so much about where you're seated. Is it better for the <laughs> Jazz to maybe say, we're going to play for matchups and we're okay with being a sixth seed? Or do they want to still try to compete for that four, hold on to the four, or maybe even knock off Denver for the three?
3: You know, it's a fascinating question um, this year in particular because, like, if you're, if you're the fourth seed, you're like, okay, congratulations. Technically, we're an overseed. Technically, we're a home court team. But we're not really, right? Like, Because you, if, if you're that team, you still have to, you still have to play in a gym in Orlando. It's not like you're flying back to your own gym to play that game. And then your reward for being the four seed as opposed to being the sixth seed is that you get the Lakers in the second round, right? So I do think that there's an argument to be made for this year, the six being a better playoff spot than the four, right? Because either way, you're going to play one of those four teams. Your Your first round opponent, if you're three through six, is going to be one of Houston, Denver, Utah, OKC, four teams that I believe are pretty roughly in macro quality. They're pretty roughly equal. I mean, obviously certain matchups are more favorable to certain teams, but you know, at a high level, those are four teams that are pretty much, pretty much have the same record and pretty much have been the same tier all season long. And, um, and then, you know, if you're six, then you get to avoid the Lakers in the second round. And instead, you'll be playing the Clippers, who are also a really good team, but just haven't had the same juggernaut status all year as the Lakers.
1: And how much of it is just avoid Houston?
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, for the Jazz, certainly, I think there's that playoff demon of, of Houston involved. Um, you know, I don't know. I personally, I think... If I'm the Jazz, I wouldn't be as scared of Houston as I would be of the Lakers or Clippers. I I view Houston as a team that is roughly in the Jazz's same stratosphere. Um, they're a tough matchup for any reason, but any of those four, any of those other three teams are a tough matchup for the Jazz. Just because you know you're talking about you're talking about teams that are roughly as good as you, and they can get hot at the right moment. And Denver has Denver does some things that. That caused the Jazz to struggle, which is why the Jazz are 0 2 against Denver this year. They're 1 2 against Oklahoma City this year because Oklahoma's smart and well coached and has a brilliant point guard at the center of their offense. And they're 1 2 against the Houston Rockets, the lone win being a Boyan Bogdanovich prayer at the buzzer. So, I mean, it's just, it's going to be tough no matter who you get. So, I think the counter argument is you might as well go into the playoffs playing your best basketball. And feeling like you have some momentum, and that you've treated the basketball gods correctly, and that they owe you some good karma. But I really don't know. I, I, you know, to your point, this is a year that I think you could certainly make the argument because, you know, being the four seed doesn't put you in a, a much better position than being the sixth seed this particular season.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, with this, uh, the way the awards work for the Defensive Player of the Year, MVP, and such, they've already been decided because yeah. of the regular season. Do you think that was fair? Or should they waited till after the restart was completed? Um, does it Would it have changed your mind at all the way things are going
3: <laughs> i I don't like it at all. I don't like it at all because I think these eight games that every team is playing are pretty important games to to how their season's going to shake out. Um, I get why they did it. They did it because they wanted to be fair to the eight non participating teams, to the guys from those teams, because you know to anybody on those teams who might have still been part of the sixth man of the year race or the defensive player of the year race, you know, to watch their, their competitors get to go out and keep building their resume for that particular award didn't feel fair to the NBA. I would argue that, hey, if you were not within six games of the playoffs on March 11th, you probably weren't a front runner for major awards anyway, Right. <laughs> So I kind of wish that they had that they had let this play out. I mean, you know, for example, let's take coach of the year, right? Because I think most people for coach of the year were struggling with like Nick Nurse because Toronto has over overperformed, Billy Donovan because OKC has really overperformed. Well, like don't you think it would ma- like don't you think it would change your vote to know whether Billy Donovan's Thunder finished 6th in the West or 3rd mm. in the West? Mm. Or, like, you know, would it matter if Toronto was number two instead of number four? Or, like, I, I, I do think those things matter to voters, and I think most voters I've heard from and, and, and read their thoughts on this subject wish they had the extra data points because these eight games matter. They're, it, this is practically a play-in tournament for most teams. Like, you know, maybe not for the Lakers and Bucks, who already had done a lot of the work by March 11th, to be in the position that they're in and and to be in the catbird seat. But especially for, you know, Jazz, Thunder, Raptors, Sixers, Celtics, I mean, a lot of teams are still battling it out in games that are that that frankly matter more than whatever happened on a random Tuesday night in December. So I wish these games were part of the award voting, personally.
2: Speaking of Rudy Gobert, if he doesn't win Defensive Player of the Year, this is where you're so damn good at your job, Dan. If he doesn't win Defensive Player of the Year but makes an All-NBA team first, second, or third, is he still available for a Supermax contract? And how can the Jazz, if he is, make that happen financially? Or can they?
3: Yeah, so the short answer is yes, he's already eligible. Even if he doesn't win a single award this year, he's already locked in eligibility, eligibility for the Supermax for this summer. Hmm. Now, if they wanted to do something next summer, then yeah, he has to earn some additional awards before he qualifies. But, um, but as for right now, they could walk up to him with a Supermax offer this summer, regardless of anything that happens with award season. The question of, you know, should they and will they and can they, that's a bit more complicated Um, They certainly can. The the NBA's salary cap rules make it so that you can offer your player their, you know, if if you own their full rights, and the Jazz have full rights to Rudy Gobert's, um, you know, contract situation. If you own their rights, you can pay to keep your player for any amount up to their maximum salary, which in his case would be the supermax. So there's nothing that would stop the Jazz from doing it. It just might make the books tight in terms of, you know, compiling and, and and building the rest of their roster um and you know the, i don't think there's a consensus on this one I, which which is crazy to me by the way because i am one of those people who firmly believes that rudy gobert is a top 10 12 15 player in the nba like how can you be the best player in the nba for two seasons straight at something that encompasses 50 percent of the game And by the way, he's also pretty dang good and impactful on the offensive end of the court, too. But I think he's a top 15 player. All NBA voters agree with me, right? Because he's been all NBA for two seasons now. So, you know, if you're a top 15 player, I think that's exactly the type of player who you rush to give them as much money as you can as early as you can, because it's kind of impact that you don't want to lose, and it's really hard to replace or replicate. But I've heard a really mixed set of signals coming from the punditry on this one. I think mm. there are a lot of people who feel like locking up a defensive star is not quite the same as locking up an offensive star, and that if the Jazz did that, they'd be really hamstrung and in a, and in a rough situation. Although, again, the rules allow them to extend Donovan Mitchell, retain Rudy Gobert, and keep building their roster, just doing so might become really costly for a small market team.
1: Dan, always great stuff. Uh, Appreciate the insights. Uh, We'll see how the Jazz do against the Lakers tonight and continue to keep an eye on how they do in the bubble, and we'll try to catch up with you again as they continue to play down in Orlando.
3: Great, yeah, let's do it.
1: All right, thanks, Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Dan.
0: Thanks, fellas.
1: Dan Clayton with Salt City Hoops. So good. Always great insight about the Utah Jazz. Quick break, and we'll come back with some final thoughts.
0: The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com.
1: Eric France and Ajay Salveson, always appreciate Dan Clayton for his insights.
2: Yep, yeah, he's really good. We'll do it again, too, Here is as we get further into the bubble and whatnot. and Yeah. He's really, really good.
1: Uh, he mentioned coaches. Uh, Coach of the year, from as voted on by the coaches themselves, mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. a tie. Mike Budenholzer from Milwaukee Bucks and Billy Donovan from the Oklahoma City Nick Thunder. Nick Nurse didn't get it. Nick Nurse was out by just one vote <laughs> from making it a three-way tie. <laughs> Frankly, I think it should have been a tie between Donovan and Nurse. Uh, Budenholzer he had the best record. I get that. But look what. Billy Donovan and Nick Nurse did, Without compared their to stars. their expectations.
2: Yeah, you're talking about players who you left. You're talking about rookies and draft picks and one aging point guard on one team and another team that lost the best player on the team and one of the top three players in the league and they're still competing for a title. Amazing. Amazing. But I, I get it. Like I think you're right. Best record in the NBA, Boone Holzer. I his conference, so on and so forth, and Giannis has a lot to do with that. He's going to be your MVP, and he might even be your defensive player of the year.
1: Yeah, it's very possible. Uh, Utah Jazz take on the Lakers tonight. We'll have pregame coverage starting at about 6.50. Game will start at 7, uh, and you can also watch it on ESPN, by the way. Lakers, early Lions have them favored
2: by 6. Oh, ow. Geez. Kick him in the chop's way, don't you? I. I think that's good for the under, Jazz. Under, so can it. Where are you at? Six and a half, over, under. <laughs> I
1: take the Lakers with the over. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. Yeah. Uh, I hope we're wrong. I hope we're wrong. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what the Jazz do tonight after lots of film study and not a lot of time to do walkthroughs to face the Lakers. Hey, Ethan Durstale with the NFL. Join us tomorrow. Can't wait for that. All right. Stay tuned. Have a great night, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. We'll break down what happened with the Jazz and uh, what's going on with the NFL.